0: hello and welcome to what else do you do i'm your host massau i'm an indie producer in montreal at studio cut to bits and today our guest is elvira bjorkman please introduce yourself
1: Hello everyone, Elvira from Sweden, Stockholm here, uh, working as a games music composer, uh, as well as having many hats inside the audio sphere kind of deal with like uh, audio coding and sound design in general. But my main thing that I've done for most games I work with is music. Uh, And what have I worked with? Well, I have my own freelance company together with my partner Niklas Hjertbej. And uh, we're called Two Feathers, because we're two people, very, very original thoughts there. <laughs> yeah, we started our company in 2012, something, or the idea kind of started there. And then in 2013, it kind of got wings, the Feathers got wings. And since then, we work worked with everything from making Music for Angry Birds to to um, uh, Vermintide 2, the expansions there with the uh, Chaos Wastes that was kind of recently released and Wins of uh, Magic uh, as well as uh, some Tokaboka projects. Uh, recently re- released Rave: the Oblivion Afterlife, a horror ga- game in VR and uh, working currently with a metal game called Metal Hellsinger. Uh, this and that worked with lots of different things
0: so your studio partner how does yeah. that work do you, do you do different things or do you do similar stuff but for different contracts or do you work uh, on the same contracts
1: we usually work on the same contracts, but we divide the work but we do the same thing so we compose together but we're not composing on the same songs so we kind of just split like you know a soundtrack can be 80 minutes long and so that's quite a lot of work for one composer that would be maybe take one year to do but for us it would take Maybe half a year to do since we're splitting into 50 50. So, on a soundtrack from Two Feathers, you will definitely hear like a track that is 100% original, he Elvira, and another one that is 100% Niklas, and some of them being 10% feedback, I guess, <laughs> back and forth kind of thing. It's nice to have someone to, you know, ball punk with, or whatever you call it, spitball with.
0: No, it totally makes sense. Like, it's hard to not have a sounding board and just kind of be, you know, in the ether. Yeah. <laughs> be like, does this, is this good? Who knows?
1: <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. yeah. And you can get so, like, stuck in your mind yeah. library of of an insecureness. So it's yeah. nice to, like, ask someone that you trust, that you trust them to say that this is shit, if it is shit. Oh. Uh, <laughs> okay. And that someone. Uh, I can only work with music with someone that can tell me if they real thoughts. <laughs> like, you <laughs> know, sure. I want to hear not the fluffy, nice things about uh, what I do. I want to hear yeah. the, the gritty, the, yeah, the if, if they
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's it's hard to work with somebody who can't tell you that your work is not good. <laughs>
1: exactly. Because you can't really... Uh... We can't really what?
0: Oh, you can't really. I mean, at a certain point, like... My problem is like anything that I've worked on for too long, I I have no perspective on. So I'm like mm-hmm. is this good? It's is this not good? I have no idea anymore. And if you have someone that you can't like reliably trust to tell you when your work is not good.
1: <laughs> exactly. It's hard for me. <laughs> and also I think after you've done something for a while, you naturally become better at it of course, and you but you still can carry on this sense of you're not good enough, I guess. And it's nice to have someone else to tell you that uh, this is probably good enough, but not not in that way. Like they you know that they are also perfectionists in that sense. And that you also carry the same brand together. It's not just a friend or someone we we both uh, need this need this. to be the best it can be so that two fighters can still have a good reputation uh, in that sense, Uh, like you carry that uh, burden (laughs) together or whatever you would call it. Uh, So that's pretty nice. But it was actually started more as a scheme of trying to uh, have a bigger portfolio. (laughs) When we started out, it was more like, if we we both want to do the same thing, be games composers and we're both like studying games. I studied game design and he was studying sound design uh, and um, we felt like our portfolios will not be enough. Uh, But if we band together, all of our student projects together (laughs) will become the same portfolio kind of thing. And uh, now, after that scheming, we both got internships on separate places. I was at Rovio and he worked with uh, EC Studios, which was like a daughter company or sister company to DICE. And they were made like Battlefield Heroes. And I worked with Rovio uh, and had the blessing of um, working with the Angry Birds 2 game and, and doing that with the soundtrack there and the, the sound design, which is this, which it's its whole own story kind of thing <laughs> so we but we had this idea kept it going and and after we had done an internships, and after we had kind of worked on our own thing for a while uh worked at rovio for two years we decided to like really do something of this but like right, right before this we had just done Hammerwatch and released that and that was our first game and then we Went away to our separate places for a while and came. we come back to it. So that's Working that's together. really nice.
0: <laughs> but this podcast is called "What Else Do You Do," so we're gonna talk about what else you do. So, yeah. what else do you do, or did you do?
1: <laughs> well, we talked a little bit about this, uh, you and me, myself, and was them. Um, I was thinking about that. I watch a lot of anime. That's my <laughs> now and I made my hobby. <laughs> to my job what else do i do as a hobby kind of thing <laughs> uh like made mus- music was a hobby that's now a job and um, games was a hobby i game a lot and that's also kind of my job <laughs> <laughs> so but in between all of that i used to watch a lot of anime and i still do and i read a lot of manga and when i was around 16 uh years old to around 20-something, or even more than that, I guess. I think it was six years. I arranged an anime and games convention in Sweden, Stockholm, called Mewcon. Very cute name. (laughs) (laughs) And founded that. So I think there are some interesting things to talk about that experience and how it have led to lots of life lessons, I guess.
0: So how did how did you get started? Like, what was the starting Spark. point? Like, what yeah, what made you think like, okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna do an anime convention.
1: It started kind of like uh, so. I started watching anime uh, when I knew what it was around when I was thirteen, maybe. And before that, it was more Sailor Moon going on TV, and I didn't know that that was also classified as <laughs> an anime thing and stuff like that. But then I kind of started watching, you know, Akira and uh, you know, Yasha and Ranma, Ranma and a half, kind of stuff like that. And then I didn't know, I read about conventions, but for me, that was like something not existing in Sweden. That was something you had to go abroad to experience in my mind. And I read about it in magazines and in forums, and it sounded so amazing to go to something like that, you know, a place where you could find other people that liked this Back then, quite odd little thing, (laughs) like Japanese animations and uh, comic books, pretty much. Because here, at least, around then, we're talking about before 2006, right? Around 2002 and 2003. I don't know, it was not like a big mainstream thing. uh, that People wouldn't even know what it was if you said like anime or if you said the words manga, kind of. I had to explain it. So just meeting people in general, and then I joined a band uh, when I was 16, and my then boyfriend that was in this band, he said that there was a convention in Sweden. I kind of was like, I was, what the fuck? (laughs) There is one here? I had no idea. And we went to it and I, the only thing I went around was talking about improvements I wanted to do <laughs> to the convention kind of thing. So that was one of the sparks of actually where I developed it. But I, I missed a step in the story there that um, right before this convention, I felt like I don't know anyone. So I decided to write in the forum and invited 40 strangers into my mom's house and the pretense that i had a birthday party so i kicked out my parents and invited 40 strangers into our apartment <laughs> and called it a convention uh jokingly uh, a pre-convention uh, just because i wanted to get to know people who were going so i would you know have people yeah, local to anime fans out. yeah yeah hang out with people came to that and jokingly we started to call it MewCon because my alias back then was Mew on 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 the forums. Uh, so it since it was at my home. And when I actually went to this convention that I had hyped for half a year, uh, it was amazing. But I'm used I used to work like that. When I see stuff stuff, I start to kinda get ideas like, oh, what if we did this instead? Or what if you would have done this, this thing like this instead or you know i can't stop that brain that you keep having ideas <laughs> about things i guess and uh, right after that i said i want to make a convention for real so that was the and then you did sparking it. and then i did not yeah
0: that's pretty crazy so what <laughs> what exactly do you have to do to have a convention like you need like mm-hmm. permits and stuff right like what, what what are all the things that you needed to do to to make your first convention happen
1: first convention happened yeah the biggest part was actually finding a place where we could be like the a building what would you call it like the venue uh, the venue yeah and i kind of emailed i think every school in stockholm asking if we could rent or borrow the school as a venue in a sense during downtime during some kind of summer or wherever and kind of in the last minute not last minute but what was it like three months before the convention was supposed to happen kind of just just went head on there was one who agreed to it and then we had to find someone who could sign the papers because we were not 18 years old (laughs) (laughs) that could you know uh, sign for it, Um I had a friend that had just turned eighteen. <laughs> so she she signed <laughs> signed this uh, venue papers uh, for me.
0: <laughs> it's wow. pretty crazy,
1: actually. I think I would never have done this as an ad- adult with a sense of responsibility. But you know, back then, you're yes. <laughs> going for it. I just wanted to make this happen and didn't think about of what could happen if anything went wrong
0: yeah for Uh, sure
1: so that's one of the things you need and then of course you need to assemble a troop of trusted uh, volunteers uh, that can arrange things to happen on this convention Uh, and I just went out first I asked the 40 people that had come to my apartment (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if they uh, would want to do something then i went out to forum different forums and all the conventions now when i knew that they existed <laughs> and kind of just asked if there were people were interested to to be like a what could, would call head not chef but you know boss of some department. kind of yeah. yeah head of department for something and we started to like scrape by so i started to organize like monthly meetings and all of this was done totally volunteer, I don't know what it's called, but no money involved, yeah. uh, uh, just by passion, passion by paid. Just
0: people who wanted to do it, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and then, then our... we put
0: together some content, like panels, or like what, what happened at your first convention?
1: <laughs> our first convention was around, we got, we sold 500 tickets, so it would be 500 people staying in the school for three days, and that was our like max, and that was just crazy. That we went from forty people to five hundred people. Uh, yeah, already. From my basically apartment <laughs> party that I called a convention <laughs> to the five hundred people convention, uh, and we had I don't know fifty volunteers, maybe something like that. And what did we do? We had we had a cafe, obviously a made cafe where people. Uh, was dressed up as maids and we had no idea what that was but it sounded fun where had no kind of like this like master thing whatever going on it was basically just they were just dressed up as some cute maids and served food or not like more like fast noodles <laughs> so not really food i guess <laughs> and uh, we had concerts with bands that was like that like to try to be visual k-bands or whatever mm-hmm. stuff like that these small bands local bands that had some kind of jack and connection or nerd connection in some way or form and a small little expo with, with people showing their stuff like both their own painted pictures or mm-hmm. people selling You know, that was the rave (laughs) because you couldn't find it anywhere. And everyone went crazy for that because it was like imported from Japan. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Very cute, really. Uh, But some merch as well. And we had this big cosplay show and stuff like that. And we centered the whole theme around around cosplay that we wanted to be the, the cosplay convention to go to kind of that was the brand. Because the other conventions, uh, they were more focused on either... It was one convention that had more sprung from board games and comics into also inviting the anime fans. But that was a little bit of a clash back then. Okay. Uh, so it was like an
0: overall nerd convention rather than just yeah. a specifically anime convention.
1: Yeah, there was one of that. And then there was this more anime convention that was the biggest one called Upcon. And uh, but they I think they revolved more around the anime part rather than the cosmic part mm-hmm. back then. Uh though people cosplayed a lot. <laughs> I don't know. I think think about what you like a very cosy convention in that sense, that it was not a big emphasis on, on on the expo or going around just buying stuff in this big hangar uh you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thing. It was a school now, instead of filled with students, filled with nerds <laughs> and geeks. I don't know. Uh, it was just lovely, everything. Uh, yeah, but nice. I was so nervous. I remember I had this break. When I actually, speaking of these responsibilities, I guess, and not thinking about it too much, I had this moment when I looked out, and I will remember that for my whole life, when I just look out the window and I'm on the fourth floor or something, and I see the line everyone waiting all of these like 500 people is standing there and suddenly it just hit me how real (laughs) this was (laughs) hundreds of people
0: are coming yeah
1: yeah and they're standing outside right now and everything everything can go wrong (laughs) i tried to not really think about that and i just had to I, i i just got so overwhelmed so i had to go into this little uh, room or scrub or whatever—I don't know what it was—and I just like, fell down, cried a little bit, like you know, oh my god, this is actually real. And then just like, okay, Lira, let's go. And then just <laughs> put my mask on and you know went out and did the thing. Yes.
0: <laughs> so, what was it like by the end? So you were saying that it—you uh, were saying earlier that it grew up to two thousand people a day.
1: Yeah. We switched men- venues, it was not in a school, or it was kind of in a school, but um, it's um, called Set, where we had that, it was more a bit more central, okay. uh, a bit more bigger, and you could do a lot more with it, um, in terms of concerts and stuff like that. There's lots of different concerts normally there as well, okay. uh, and we wanted to focus this convention to more almost merge into a kind of festival vibe rather than expo or something like that, like keeping that vibe we had before, uh, trying to keep it into the 2,000 a day visitor mark that we had. And I guess it kind of naturally grew up to that you start you switched venues, you could fit more people and you need that a certain amount of people to have everything to be paid for to you know for work sure, out yeah. economically and we invited more bigger acts and stuff like that and we wanted to make sure that everywhere you went uh you could passively be act i don't passive what do we call it like you could passively be activated by something like mm-hmm. uh, in lots of conventions back then we noticed that all of the activities you had to participate in them but uh most people i know uh, around that are anime fans or gaming fans they're not that much about maybe participating in these mm-hmm. activities but rather watching them is just as fun <laughs> uh being a little bit introverted, maybe, or something like that, especially when you're like 16, 17.
0: Oh, yourself. for sure. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it can be very scary. So we try to focus our point to be more like s- stuff you can watch uh, all the time. Like every corner, we, went. we had, I think, four different stages that did different things all the time, mm-hmm. try to have that kind of festival vibe in, in that sense, you know, uh but around this thing. Uh, and also, of course, activities that you could uh join in on, or, or or competitions we also grew our gaming area quite a lot uh a whole a whole not a whole floor sounds a lot, but it it was kind of the only biggest room on that floor I guess we spent uh, we gave it to use big gaming tournaments and stuff like that, so we grew that department as well. From what it was before. Had lots of like speed gaming tournaments and stuff like that. It was very fun. I don't know. I think it was a very special point because we also, what I had to do then was finding more people who could, of course, be head of departments and they had their own um, structure. And what I really wanted to do there was giving them the power and more be maybe more of a, I called myself more the creative director of this. Uh, So I tried to. Both have these like monthly with all of the different um, volunteers for that was um, not all of them that would be working volunteering at at the convention. But that was head of departments and uh, discussing what they need to achieve this month kind of thing to make sure they were on schedule. Um, And then just trying to say like, okay, so you should all of you should by your own find a group of people that will work with you right now um, and write down what you want to achieve with this. And then I had bi monthly meetings or coffees with them one-on-one uh, to just have, so they could just spitball ideas with just one person instead of this you know, meeting form format and just said like, oh, but how do you want to, to make this work out? How can we support you doing this? idea and how is it (laughs) funnily enough it was very close to the game industry in that sense that i talked about almost like pillars you know (laughs) how it is fitting into our convention pillars or three pillars of of what the brand of muco is (laughs) is this the festival we want to do the convention or are we straying away from that you know (laughs) i was the kind of like that but
0: so what happened in the end? Did you hand it over to someone or did you decide to...
1: It kind of ended in quite a sad note, actually. It was around 2012. We were going to have, the, for me, the last one, because I felt like now nah, I had done that for six years and I had done it always for free. And I was growing up and kind of wanted to do other things. Uh, you, my dream wasn't to be a convention leader. <laughs> I mean, like That was just a fun thing i did yeah it's, uh, it takes you know,
0: a lot of time and yeah
1: it takes a lot of time kind of unappreciated work as well actually but uh, very very i would do it again always uh people are so whiny <laughs> 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 i they get it for free <laughs> but, uh, um, uh, it was we had We're going to do the coolest one ever. So we had like this island in the middle of Stockholm, like central. It's like old town. Stockholm, there is this one smaller island. And we had uh, managed to have that as our venue, the island itself. And uh, this house there that was renovated. And that was like this old uh, post house. Kind of looked like a Harry Potter castle when you went into it and we like, this is so cool, we can do so many things with this. And there was this other project going on that renovated this that was supposed to be this how they wanted to make this to a house for youth or whatever you call it with activities for teenagers and stuff like that. You make your own green screen movie and stuff like that kind of playhouse or whatever you would call it, I don't know. So we asked if we could rent this from from them, and they were okay with that. And so that was our, like, that we were supposed to have the main thing. And we also hired, like, the concert hall where there's a lot of different concerts, uh, like, you know, uh, more orchestral concerts. Uh, and we had hired that to have the cosplay show in there. It would be epic. <laughs> so the epicness of epicness to have all this fancy stuff. Uh, here and um, then a portion of this little island, that where we could have lots of food stalls and stuff like that. Um, but I think it was two months before the the convention, we the venue. I read about it that we had rented. Uh, they went bankrupt. <laughs> so I read it about it in the papers that they went bankrupt, and Hanen told us and. I, I asked about I asked uh, about it, like, you know, confronted them. And I was, what what what's this? And they're like, oh, you know, journalists, they always... Uh,
0: sensationalize.
1: Yeah, sensationalize and stuff like that. But that was not the case. <laughs> all of it was true. But they tried to, to tell us that that's, it's going to work out. We already have new investors and yada, 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 you know, all of that things. Um, luckily, we didn't believe them. So we postponed selling tickets because we always had like all, only sold the tickets around two months before the convention, uh, just because of past experience with venue bullshit <laughs> <laughs> happening. And the decision from them was either we postpone the convention or we cancel it. And for me, I said like if anyone wants to carry this on. They can do it, but I'm cancelling it because this was my last one and I really need to focus on school now. Mm -hmm. I've never done that because of this convention. I've never been able to focus on school, my grades, stuff like that. It has always been a back thing for six years now (laughs) Uh, that I've put all my energy into this. And now I am to enter this game design school and I'm falling behind in that because of this convention. And I need to focus elsewhere kind of thing. Bye. <laughs> that was kinda I guess my thing. Uh but also I felt like there was so much um of the ideas that on all of the things rather, you know. Arranged was supposed to be in this awesome venue and was just so hard to see this fit in anywhere else. All of these, yeah, cool to pivot ideas. everything
0: into something else, yeah,
1: yeah. It felt like it wouldn't be the dream that we have dreamt for the past year and tried to to achieve. So, um, yeah, come on. So, I think it was a healthy decision for me that sometimes you just need to actually say no. Uh, to yourself. So I did say that if anyone wanted to do it, but no one really picked up that um,
0: you know. The mantle.
1: Yeah. Uh, so it kind of fizzled out in the end, which is a bit sad that it never ended with this big explosive, massive final convention. <laughs> but uh, it's that's life, you know. Uh, But I was very, very sad about it during that year. But there were so many things happening. 2012 for me was, you know, you have these years in life where everything goes to shit. (laughs) 2012 was kind of that year for me. But I also gained so many things from 2012, especially year.
0: And look at you. You are now a full-fledged game developer working on... All kinds of crazy games.
1: Yeah, I guess that's just been a crazy road in itself, but uh, that's not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> but I'm very happy. Uh, happy about that right now. But I'm glad okay. to be on vacation.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, we're going to bring it back to game development. I'm going to ask you a few questions. What do you think you got out of running a convention that you don't from game development?
1: I think actually there's a lot of parallels Uh, but what I think you gain is a perspective of human beings. So if we just like, I, I think there's a funny thing there with, you know, heat maps in first person shooters kind of and you develop it as a game design thing and you have these heat areas uh, where you think all the multiplayers will gather and you try to make sure your level design is fitted to that. That's something you need to do all the time with a convention. Uh, So, I mean, of course, it's a a similar thing. There's a parallel there, I think. A lot of those kind of things that I've noticed that uh, you can think about. Now, I'm not a level designer, but um, it's a fun perspective to see how much similarities there are because both of them are entertainment, you know, Games are entertainment. conventions are entertainment to be enjoyed by people and gaining that perspective from from being the boss of uh, you know and uh, this convention thing and having to deal with everything from planning on how should people move when they walk up and down the stairs without it being a fire hazard. Uh, you know, you have to think about those kind of things. Where will people naturally gather the most and during which time of days will they do? You have to kind of go into human psychology almost a little bit. And so I think I gained that early on, on thinking about how someone, how will a person actually receive the experience and that's what we think about all the time. Every dis- discipline in game development is about that, right? Like that should be the main thing you think about. Uh, but I can notice that that is isn't on- always the main thing people think about when they work with games because you get kind of tunnel vision about your small little thing. But that is what I've car- carried with me is that I always go back to that, you know, single most important question is that but by the end, how will the person experience this you know and uh for me that has been very important uh to make sure that i always focus on trying to make the right decisions and not uh take a lot of different um um, long way around so to speak (laughs) to just trying to constantly focus and that's with the music as well like is it necessary to have this music piece to be five minutes long, if you're only going to experience ten seconds of it, you know stuff, small stuff like that, uh, that can gain time and budget and everything else, and a lot of headache. To <laughs> uh, just also gaining the experience of having being a project lead, uh, I mean that is invaluable in everything you do in life, really, because you can always apply it on everything you do and. It's awesome to also be able to speak the same language as all the project leads and producers. They really appreciate that. (laughs) When I know what they care about kind of thing, What I know their sorrows (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and can meet at that. I don't think maybe lots of like, if you're only done, let's say music, if that's the only thing you've done in life, I don't think you gain that experience. if that's the only thing you've done, or if you've only done coding, if you've just focused on that and never experienced arranging something else, or I think it will harder to get that. Pers- Hard to say. Like I, I try, I'm trying to make some make it sound profound. You, you get
0: this. No, I think uh, no, I think it's uh, perspective no, I think things. it. It makes a lot of <laughs> sense. You know, running a project, I think, is very in in many ways. Any project is. Project management is project management, you know. Yeah. Like learning how to do one kind of project is going to give you insight into running projects in general. So exactly, I I totally agree that that would be excellent experience for understanding kind of the process of, you know, making something happen.
1: Making something happen, and also getting a really good gut feeling on on what will and what will succeed so I don't have to waste my time on, <laughs> on things. <laughs> Not when it comes to a whole project, but sometimes small things in the project. Someone will say, oh, we need sound to this thing or we need this music piece right now. And I can have the cold, cool head and say, I don't think we will need that now. It's better that we focus our priorities over here, because this is what we are sure will happen 100% sure. Mm -hmm. These other things.
0: We uh, can, we can wait to find out,
1: we can wait to find out before we put our resources, audio resources here kind of thing. Um, Because it's easy to forget that every day you spend is a day lost in the future. Uh, You know, Every day you spend on some feature is.
0: You definitely sound like a producer right there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I say I gain that perspective. (laughs) And I think about that all the time.
0: (laughs) Um, I think you answered the second question instead of the first question. So the second question was what do you think? Yeah. What do you think you got out of this? Uh, as a as a game developer so no the, the first, first <laughs> the first question was um uh the first question is um what did you get out of it that you don't anymore at, in game development like the, the reason I ask you is pumped. because yeah, yeah like so for the most of the guests we're I'm talking to them about what they currently do and why they do that concurrently to game development because they feel mm-hmm. that like game development is kind of only one aspect of their life and this is like kind of another aspect so in that sense what what do you what is something you miss that you that you got out of running uh, a convention that you no longer get from making video games
1: that's a hard one uh, because i think they are so similar i guess in many ways just because of the project aspect and i've done so many i've arranged larps as well and same thing i see so many parallels so it's hard to see the non-parallels <laughs> 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 i guess <laughs> uh but what do you gain yeah, what what is there that you don't experience
0: what is something I guess you miss sense of, uh, is, I is guess there anything the you miss about it
1: I do miss, this, I guess I miss the times more maybe than the activity. Uh, mm-hmm. Like like I talked about, like we were just idiots facing head on without thinking about consequences. And we hadn't learned anything and everything was new. You yeah. didn't know shit <laughs> and just try to figure things out. And there was, uh, you know, I remember how me and some friends that... We're working on this. We stayed up three days in a row in this, uh, there's what you call it, it was an organization for nerdy things, but they had a printer and we stayed there and borrowed their computers. And that printer used to print out decorations for (laughs) the (laughs) uh, convention. And we kind of stayed up all night long, just trying to work with this printer and then laminate. The small, little, cute anime figures, and put some strings around it. It's kind of, we we did this like we did. We would be arranging a kids' party, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> In a way, <laughs> you know, just uh, decorating everything. And I guess that's not really something. I mean, you, there's obviously crunch, but there's another s- sense of. Unity, when you sit in a small group of four or five people aiming to have this specific date be the one moment that everything happens. And I kind of miss this just explosiveness of just having this one day, this one (laughs) D-Day, where everything is win or lose. With a convention, top people are talking about experiencing meetings with people. You you read on forums afterwards this very personal stories about not the convention itself, but what the convention has achieved for them as a life memory. And mm-hmm. I've had lots of people come up to me afterwards, years after, and said that they had like life-changing events on this convention. I, Arranged, you finding a partner, or life lessons learned, or you know, because it's a venue and you experience with all the people as this place. So I I miss that a little bit. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, we've been going for a while, so I'm going to ask mm. you one more question, which is, what is something you want people to know about conventions and running a convention?
1: Let's see what I want them to know. Well, from my perspective, I only what I wanted people to know. Speaking of <laughs> when I said people are so whiny, but it's uh, that it's damn hard, and you're, you 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 are not all an all-knowing entity of things going on. That no one will be. I think it can usually be a very sense of entitlement. I guess in, in I know we we got like complaints about. That the, we had these like armbands or whatever you call it, like convention bands around. The wristbands, uh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, people were complaining that they were itchy, like <laughs> a lot about that. And they, they put that as a minus on the convention experience uh, when they reviewed the convention. And you just felt like, really? <laughs> I don't know. We do. I don't know, it just feels like it's it's I thought it would be easier when I went into it, but it's actually really, really hard because there's constantly things going wrong, nothing goes as planned, so you constantly run around putting fire out uh, my like com radio uh, or uh was like going instantly with different problems you had to you know face (laughs) Uh, and I don't think maybe people understand that when they're probably on whatever type of convention really if it's a big gaming expo or if it's a smaller convention or if it's a fan thing how much work is going into making all that happen for that explosive moment I guess the appreciation would be nice for both all the volunteers there, stuff like that. It could be a nice with a thank you. (laughs) I think people would appreciate that. If you see someone working around. So thank your event organizer and
0: volunteers. Yeah, event
1: organizer. Especially volunteers as well. Doing hard work for pretty much nothing in all the conventions I've been to. Usually, the only payment is a ticket to the specific convention mm-hmm. that they're not actually going to. They're working on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, blowing up in their faces because something went wrong. I guess.
0: <laughs> well, thank you very much. This was a lovely conversation, and uh, yeah, have a have a good day. Yeah, you too. Or I thank guess you it's very already much for having
1: me. It's leaning to evening. <laughs> it's five I'll o'clock. Have a good evening. <laughs>
0: Thank you for listening and thank you to Dave Wallace for providing the music and thank you to Therese Lance for providing the logo. Bye.